Hi everyone, thanks for stopping by our table of disappointment. This is How They Got Away, the show where we discuss the unsatisfying endings to your favorite unsolved or unpunished true crime and corporate greed stories. I am your host for today, Annalise, here with my co-host. It's Kelsey. And our two guests for today. We're switching the order today with me, Anna first. And me and my lavender matcha second. They actually fight for dominance right before we record every single time to determine who gets to go first. So today, as always, we are bringing some disappointing cases. And, you know, what better time period to go to the 1960s America during the fight for civil rights? Never a more disappointing time. I mean, at the end, it wasn't so disappointing because they got civil rights. But like, we're still talking about it. So clearly it didn't solve every problem we've ever had about racism. Yeah, and I'm going to be covering a lot of events that are familiar and somewhat obvious to a lot of Americans, but just in case whoever's listening is not American or the school system's not great about this stuff sometimes. So we're going to be going into detail about a lot of these historical moments surrounding these cases because they really are integral to what happened and why they happened. So this is also going to be a history heavy We do episode. love a history heavy episode. Annalise given us the Tofana Aquafana and the civil rights. Really, she's just telling us the story of history with murder along the way. You know, honestly, it's my dream. This is all Annalise has ever wanted. <laughs> it's all she's ever dreamed about. Murder in history. To set the scene, 1960s America was marked by the civil rights movement, the Cold War, the Vietnam War, and the protests against it, the counterculture movement, as well as John F. Kennedy's assassination. There's a lot happening. It just occurred to me that our last recording was the Sims family murders, which also happened around this time period. Oh my god, it just never ends. We should just draw like a timeline one day, and it should just be like, this murder, this murder, also civil rights. Yeah. This murder. JFK. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Today's cases are ones that I've never heard of or the names didn't like spark the story for me. So I wanted to shed some light on them for other people who are unaware. So I have two today. To start, we're going to be in 1965 in Fernando, Louisiana. And this is where we'll find O'Neill Moore. He was a military veteran who served in the United States Army. He was a leader in his church, his local Mason Fraternal Lodge, as well as the PTA. He was a father to his four daughters. And all that is just to say he really was a leader in his community. So it's not surprising when he was one of the first African-American deputy sheriffs in Washington, Paris, Louisiana, alongside his partner, David Creed Rogers. When you say he was a veteran, was he a veteran of World War II or did he also serve in the Vietnam War? Like veteran of... I didn't get if he had served actively in any of the wars around the time period all that i got is that he was in the united states army it wouldn't have been world war ii if he was to serve in anything it would have been um some kind of participation in what was happening with the cold war or vietnam but i don't think i don't know if he active, had active duty ah i always forget that the 60s and the world war ii there's like a good chunk of time kind of between mm-hmm. those two and depending things. on someone's age you know yeah as expected during this time period, there were some people, <coughs> you know, um, who <laughs> were not pleased by this. No, what? <laughs> who could have foreseen this turn of events? In fact, there was 
a quote from the Department of Justice that says this whole situation enraged the local clans Boo. of the Ku Klux Klan, who, according to several sources, had vowed to eliminate them. Can you imagine you are serving in the army, you raise four daughters, you're just minding your own goddamn business, trying to do right by your community, and that community sees fit to give you a leadership position to to protect and serve them, and you think, yeah, this is great. And then there's an entire group that is nationwide that is like, I fucking hate you. I'm going to do everything I can to ruin and destroy your life. Like, one guy, like, you have an enemy, you're like, okay, one guy, but it's an entire national group with resources solely bent on undermining every single thing that you do. And you have daughters. Like, that has to be terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To think that they might go after your family. He had a wife and kids. Right, he also has a wife. I didn't even think about the wife. I didn't, I didn't say if he was still, like, actively married, but he was. <laughs> Kelsey being like, his wife doesn't matter. She's fine. But the daughters? Oh, my God. Ugh. I feel like I only have the energy to hate one person at any one time. Imagine being part of a group that's like, I will hate all people i don't color. i can't imagine having that kind of how spare you, time yeah could you imagine that's like learn how to knit take up baking that's crazy watercolors find something to do Touch with your grass because clearly you got too much of it Moore tried to keep himself and his family as safe as possible while accepting the risk that his new job would put him in it did really put him a target on his back i mean he's also a sheriff that's not yeah. a safe position to begin with no but you know, Moore didn't participate in any civil rights protests, even though it was his right to do so. He tried to keep his head down and focus on his job. Unfortunately, no matter what, racist assholes are going to be racist assholes just because this man exists. So, you know, on June 2nd, 1965, a year after Moore and Rogers were appointed, they were both shot. I'm sorry, I'm not sure if you mentioned it. Was Rogers also a person of color? He was. It was both him and Moore that were the first two African-American deputy sheriffs in that town. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. The two of them had been making their way to Moore's house when they got a call about a bushfire, which, of course, they responded to. On their way, they noticed a black pickup truck following them. This truck had a Confederate flag decal on the back, and it passed alongside their car and then opened fire. Moore died instantly after being shot in the head. While Rogers took shots to his shoulder and was blinded in his right eye, the car veered off the road and into a tree. A neighbor nearby heard the incident and ran out to the car. He stood guard until Deputy Doyle Holliday arrived to start an investigation. Rogers, thankfully, survived the attack and was able to give a description of the pickup truck. What a king. Like, shot in the shoulder, blinded in an eye, hit into a tree. I assume they just had to vibe in the car while waiting for paramedics. And it's just like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to live to spite you. I don't know if he lived to sp- He probably just lived to live, but I'm like, <laughs> he just, I'm lived to just live. because you want me dead, I'm definitely going to live. Also, as the neighbor, like this is the South, so they've probably got like a gun or something. But all I can imagine is just like one guy standing next to a like, car that is still like smoking a little bit and he's just like i'm just standing here <laughs> don't come near but so incredible of him to like be like it makes no that i don't know if i would have the bravery to do that yeah exactly he saw that this happened he knew that someone had shot them and might be coming back and he's like you know what no 
I'm going to stay here and protect this guy. Nice. Stand up, dude. Good on the neighbor. About an hour after the attack, authorities stopped a truck that matched the description of the truck in Taylortown, Mississippi. I have a question. They were going Mm -hmm. to respond to a bushfire. Was it like a false report to just get them out to be shot at? Or was there a bushfire that no one that got delayed response we don't really know from so i had watched and i'll mention this again later but unsolved mysteries did a recreation of it and talked to several key people including rogers who had said that they had like saw the bushfire saw that it wasn't a big deal so they had gotten there assessed the situation it wasn't a big deal it was gonna die down and so moved on do policemen get fire training i don't know if i could look at a fire and be like yeah She'll tire herself out. It's fine. I have no idea, but not the we most important part of this. Where brush fires happen of their own accord, so, like, no idea how to handle that. So the driver of this truck was Ernest Rayford. Do your best, Annalise. I see that face. You got this. McElveen? McElveen? McElveen. That was it. It was Ernest McElveen. How's it spelled? I had to look it up. It's one of those things where it looks like McElveen or McElveen, but it's McElveen. Is it like French? Is there like Mac-Lamarche a French thing going on there? Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> more like, don't care about this man. <laughs> there's like a Mick at the beginning in the name, right? So maybe it's like Celtic or Irish. Those the names are Mick hard. or Mac in front of a name is Scottish Irish. It's a Gaelic suffix or sorry, mm. prefix for son of. So that's what that means when you see that in the last name. Anyway, the driver, um, Ernest Rayford. McLevine was arrested. McLevine was a paper mill worker and a member of the KKK. In his truck, they found several firearms, ammunition, and a rope noose. He claimed that he was at a secret meeting during the time of the attack and said nothing else. He was charged and was in jail for nine days until the local KKK raised enough money to make his $25,000 bail, which for context, would have been about $235,000 today. Damn, the KKK has better grassroots organization than At this time, they were a force. They were pretty much running shit back then, weren't they? Honestly, and I'm going to say this later as well. Well, I'll get I'll get into this now. So, an autopsy showed that Moore was hit with a high-powered rifle. None of the weapons from McLevine's truck matched that description. So, due to a lack of evidence, his charges were dropped. The local KKK claimed that they had no part in the incident. And I also want to I also want to note that O'Neill Moore's position was taken up by another black deputy. So, you know, the department really was like, yeah, no, we don't care that this just happened. We are putting someone fit in this category the same as like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They knew. They 100% knew it was the KKK. Because, first of all, who else would it have been? And second of all, like, that is... They were like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You're not going to scare us into stopping to doing this. But on the other hand, as the person who took that position up afterwards, after this incident, Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Because I'm like, my department is specifically putting me in a position that they know I'm in more risk than anybody else would be in this position it's so political it's so political it is it's a tough spot but you really political it really is taking a stance and showing that they are supporting having 
you know, people of color in, in, in important positions. And that's crucial at this point in time. Yeah, and it's terrorism. Like, mm-hmm. the KKK, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it. I'm going to say it. The KKK is a terrorist group. They're a, mm-hmm. what do they call it when it's an at-home terrorist group? A domestic terrorist group. And what do we? What is America's policy? We do not negotiate with terrorists. So, after this hiring, Deputy Doyle Holiday's home was actually shot at. Jesus, can't leave these people the fuck alone. Honestly. They're shooting at this man, Deputy Doyle Holiday, who it wasn't actually his decision first off to like put a certain, like he supported it, but he also wasn't like the top person in power to make this decision as well within the whole hierarchy. But he was the one that did the hiring. It was like a weird, it's a weird thing. He was supporting having people of color. So I guess that also was just, it was just, it's just an interesting route to take. Anyway, locals in the area refused to help the police or the FBI because the FBI got involved even with a $25,000 reward. This was attributed to people's fear of the KKK and that them themselves would be targeted if they got any information to authorities. I mean, I believe I believe that they were legitimately scared of the KKK. Like, they shot at this one guy's house. They absolutely, they, they most definitely tried to kill these two men, succeeding with one of them. I would be scared too. Mm-hmm. And they run fucking everything. It's very legitimate. I'm just thinking about that amount of money, though, and what you said the equivalent was in today's dollars. And I'm like, that amount of money is enough to uproot your whole life and leave. Not that that's an option for everyone, but I'm just like. It's a good point, though. Like, uh, like you were saying, the guy who was arrested was a paper bill worker. Like, that's pretty blue collar. And there was obviously KKK members nationally who were a much higher social status. We know that. But also, like, where the fuck are you guys getting this money? This case has been opened and closed a lot. In 1989, the FBI opened this case as a priority investigation, and it was even reenacted on Unsolved Mysteries. For anyone who wants to see this, it's season three, episode nine, the full episodes on YouTube. I love Unsolved Mysteries, do not get me wrong. But I don't think this is an Unsolved Mystery. I think it's an unpunished crime, but I think we all know. Yes, but they also don't have an exact person to pin it on. I mean, you can pin it on an entire organization, but you also don't have the exact perpetrator as That's well. true. The FBI do say that they believe it was a KKK member or a organized thing from the local KKK chapter, but... In 1990, the FBI subpoenaed multiple witnesses to testify, but yet again... Nothing happened, and so they closed their investigation in 1991. The case was reopened yet again in 2001. Multiple people had, like, confessed to this crime, but there was no evidence to corroborate any of the claims. It could just be people trying to to make a grab, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of people who confessed to crimes that they didn't do because they want the notoriety from it, which is horrific, but... There is nothing I want more in my life than to be known as the racist member of the KKK that tried to kill two black men and only succeeded in killing one. Can you imagine going out for that? Like, I get other serial killers. Like, it's not great, obviously, but imagine just being like, Hi, um, yeah, I totes did it. I was part of, like, the racist group that really hated minorities, and, like, my family and I really hated black people. So, like, I totes did it. What a weird flex. What a weird little flex going like, yeah, I did it. 
Okay. As a person a... who, at the okay. ripe old age of 23, still tears up at the possibility of getting in trouble for something, I do not understand willingly saying you did something that, first of all, you didn't do, and second of all, being like, give me the trouble. I don't. That is not my vibe. I don't get it. But it's, it's the so white man so thing. Do it. It's the white man confidence, I think. Most of these guys are assuming white men because of the KKK, but I also scratch my head because it's also yeah. like it's twenty twenty, it's twenty two thousand one. Sorry, I was gonna add ten more years. That is not <laughs> correct. That is not correct. So the only prime suspect, um, Mac Levine, like we talked about before, died in two thousand three. In two thousand nine, the case was opened as part of the Civil Rights Era Cold Case Initiative, and this is initiative. This initiative is exactly what it sounds like. To quote the Department of Justice, it was a comprehensive effort to identify and investigate racially motivated murders committed decades ago. That's nice. That, like, is one of those mm-hmm. things that, like, we know we can't bring back the people who were hurt by this, but we are taking a stance of saying we're not just going to let these things just sweep away into history. hmm Yeah. And so you can look on the website it'll be in my sources but what they did is they had 56 fbi agents search through and identified cold cases that could be further investigated so things that had potential as of june 2019 there were 132 cases opened with 151 known victims unfortunately only two of these cases led to prosecution and for most identical for most of the cases Identifiable parties or key witnesses have died, and others' evidence has been destroyed. In 2016... I mean, when you think about it, next year, the Civil Rights Act will be 80 years old. No, 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 never mind. I can't do math. Oh my god, 60 years old. 60 years old. It's okay, it's okay. That's still a long time, but I took a six from the wrong spot. Please just move on and look away from me. All right. <laughs> it's okay. I'm thinking about the destroyed evidence because it's like, yeah. What what happened to that? I feel like evidence, one of your bestie? jobs is keeping evidence. Like when they talk about like rape kits, for instance, that just sit untested for like months and years. It's like that was your job. When it's holding evidence, it's like, how did you lose it? How did you destroy it? Like, I get it if, like, a flood happens, like, the office gets destroyed. Things get lost. That happens with the passage of time. Climate change is a real bitch. We all get that. But it's, like, some of this is inexcusable. (laughs) Yeah, where'd it go? Like, it was sitting in a locker, and it was sitting in a locker, and now it's not in that locker anymore. And I'm very, I'm wondering if somebody, I'm not wondering, I know, somebody decided that they didn't need that evidence anymore for outside of the police reasons. In 2016, the case was closed once again due to a lack of possible leads in the statute of limitations. Unfortunately, that's where this case ends. Um, To leave on a happier note, though, David Creed Rogers lived a full life, passing away in 2007 at 84 years old. After this horrific event, Roger actually stayed with the sheriff's office, and in fact, he retired as captain in 1988. God Good. damn. Was he still, like, an active police officer, or was he, like, I don't know how bad... Well, first of all, he was blind in one eye, so... Yeah. From what I can tell, he kept his position. 
So damn Rogers, good for you. Good Stick for him. It to those bitches. <clears throat> I'm gonna put in a picture into the chat. This is O'Neill Moore. Just to give a face to who we're talking about here. Yeah, he was. I think he was thirty something. That's a young man. Oh. With four baby girls. He has a very nice smile. And a wife. I will. He looks so nice. He, he does look so That's nice. That's so upsetting. How old? Do we know how old his daughters were when this happened? I don't. I don't have much information about his family, which might be for the best. Which is fair. Yeah. He looks like he has so much hope in the world. That's so sad, knowing what happened to him. He looks so excited. And he was such a stand-up member of society, too. He was such a leader in all of his organizations. I love that he was on the PTA. He sounds, mm. yeah, like you're on the PTA. I don't know this because we don't have that information, but I feel like he looks like a good dad. I hope he was a good dad. Yeah. He looks like a good dad. Yeah. He looks like he was involved. I will assume I mean, he was on the PTA. So for our next case, I'm going to be taking us to Alabama. Um, the events that we're going to be talking about in a bit happened a year after um, in 1966. But I want to give us some more information about uh, the victim of this case. I have some more information on him than I do than I did on Moore. Haven't I been heard enough, Annalise? Must you bring me another tale of disappointment? You know, that's what this entire show is about. <laughs> this is actually a case that after reading, I was surprised that I didn't already know. I just think the name didn't really spark um, spark in my head. I'm also bad with names. So some of you might recognize I'm this. I'm horrible with names. I'm great with faces, but terrible with names. Yeah. Mm. So this is oh, yeah. about um, Samuel Sammy Lehman Young Jr., and I'm going to put his picture in at the top of this. So we have a face to the person we're talking about. A youth. He is. Oh, look at his little shaved head. He is a young man. Yeah, he has a shaved head. This looks like a, a Navy photo because he served with the Navy. Um, but we'll, Definitely is. We'll talk about that in a second. So again, um, Samuel Lehman Young Jr., who I guess went by Sammy, was born in Tuskegee, Alabama on November 17th, 1944. If anyone else is triggered by Tuskegee because of the whole syphilis trials, you know. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Okay. Kelsey was giving me a face. Not everybody thinks immediately of syphilis, though, Annalise. The Tuskegee Some trials of us forget are such that that's not also a town in Canada. Y'all. I should, I should do, I'm, I'll do a case on, I'll do a thing on Tuskegee, because as a, uh... I am, like, vaguely aware oh, of it. It was, oh, it was really messed up. It's really bad. It was... Just, just to give a little snippet, and then we'll move on, um, essentially they, there was a treatable, like, cure to syphilis, and instead of giving that to... African-Americans living in Tuskegee, Alabama, they instead studied them for years and years and years and continued to infect the entire community there and let people die of a treatable illness. And syphilis also has neurological symptoms. It can yes. damage the brain permanently. Wasn't that so the thing they knew that, that they also thought that Al Capone had? I think so, yeah. I think, and they like think a lot of historical brain. figures had it. Yeah. But to move on from that, Young's family was middle class, so unlike 
many of the African-American families in the area. Um, he, w he was in a better position economically. His mother was a school teacher and his father was an occupational therapist. Young attended Cornwall Academy, a college preparatory school in Massachusetts. He graduated from Tuskegee Institute High School in 1962, and then he enlisted in the Navy soon after. So he went to a preparatory academy and then switched to high school and then went to the Army and not college? Yes, he goes to college later, though. Oh, okay. I was just, like, trying to figure out, like, the prep. I thought those would be other way around, like, high school, then prep academy. I know, it's, a, it's an interesting... Was it like a middle school or did he switch halfway through? Maybe it was an only two-year program. I don't know. I don't know the exact case of his schooling, but this is what I do know. Clearly evaluating education in this family. Yes, exactly. He served on an aircraft carrier, the USS Independence, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And again, just to give context for his, the historical context. This crisis occurred during October 1962 and was a direct confrontation between the Soviet Union and the United States, and this was the closest they came to nuclear conflict during the Cold War. And not that time that that uh, monitor guy in the Soviet Union got the message that nukes had been sent from the United States and was ordered to fire on the United States, but then it turned out it was an error and then he had actually refused an order, so... That was the only reason we didn't nuke each other out of existence? This was... Not as close as that? No, because this was literally head-to-head. -head. They had to disable the weapons once this was, like, calmed. Like, they were ready. But the vessel that he was on we're participated so in the quarantine. Quarantine. It was, it, was a, it was really a blockade, but they call it a quarantine because a blockade implies war is currently happening, and we were all dancing around that. And I thought so, they called it an embargo, or were they just not calling it that at the time? No, this was like a physical quarantine. This wasn't like an embargo, like we're not going to do trade with you. Gotcha, this was gotcha. a physical quarantine, having boats physically block in Cuba. This is what, so Kennedy ordered the quarantine. And so Khrushchev was like, took that message as an act of aggression. That's fair. That's fair. And so I'm just not going to get too much into this but again this was like a face down it raised tension of the cold war it brought us close to actively being in war eventually both countries kind of backed out of it so this was like a high tension event and young was right there when it was happening just sitting on one of the boats looking at the boats of the cubans like hey are we gonna shoot each other with missiles today let's find out Young was medically discharged from the Navy in July 1964, after about a year of being in the Navy, due to a failing kidney, which he needed to have surgery on. Just one? Yeah. I don't know how common it is for, like, just one of your kidneys to just give up. My grandmother, she has two kidneys, but one of them is really, like, very abnormally small, so it doesn't function very well, and it can cause a lot of, like, kidney stones, but they still let her keep it. So it's just, like... You know, when when does the kidney just give up? Very interesting. It is interesting. I also don't know his entire medical history, so... Also, don't know his education history. Don't know not allowed history. back in the military if you medical only have history. one kidney. You are allowed to be a police officer with one eye, though. <laughs> That's true, Rogers! I don't know if this was just him then deciding to be done and move on to other things. but but he But he left for that reason. So after he recovered... 
He worked at Tuskegee um, Veteran Hospital, and then he started university at Tuskegee Institute in January 1965 as a political science student. Oh, cute. It's at this time that... <laughs> I'm sorry. I like a little... Uh, well, I just think, you... like, probably spending time on the front lines of, like, one of the biggest political tensions with another nation at that time probably influenced that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, political science. He was like, I gotta go to school to figure out how this shit works because we cannot keep doing this. I'm about to get educated. See you later, guys. I'm gonna learn some things. It's at this time that Young started actively participating in civil rights activism. Young participated in the Selma to Montgomery marches in March 1965. And so for context, Selma, Alabama, which is in Dallas County, had to... had a... Uh, resistance to black voting, as blackpass.com phrased it. And from 1961 to 1964, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee led a campaign to try and write this. The Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited the discrimination based on race, religion, sex, or national origin, outlawed segregation in businesses, public places, schools, discrimination, in employment, and most notably in this case, voting. So that came into play as this whole trying to get more Black voters, more access to voting started. Of course, just because that act was put in place, it didn't magically fix everything. And so in January and February 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference led demonstrations at the Dallas County Courthouse. And on February 18th, Jimmy Lee Jackson was shot by an Alabama state trooper during the protest. I'm only just remembering, I got so caught up in the story of like, you know, Sammy just living his life that I forgot that this, where we are and what is happening. And I'm just got really sad because I know where, where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> I was also low-key waiting to see because who would make an ACAB comment. <laughs> I was going to, but I feel that that would be disrespectful to the memory of Rogers mm-hmm. and his captain. You know? No, his sheriff. I'm done. So the Selma to Montgomery March was scheduled in response to that. And so it was going to happen on March 7th. So this is what um, Young was going to be participating in. And this is also where the famous Bloody Sunday occur- occurred. And it was also this protest was televised. So during the march, protesters were blocked by state troopers short of a bridge that they needed to cross in order to get over the Alabama River, and the troopers ordered the protesters to turn around. When they didn't, the troopers then shot tear gas and beat protesters with billy clubs, which resulted in over 50 hospitalizations. I do not understand how you can just beat the shit out of a person with a bat. And that's just fine As a, if you're a police officer. It's messed up, for sure. I mean, sure. like, it's not. It is not fine. But, like, that was just acceptable at the time. And in some places still today, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um... I've never hit a person. But, like... Never? The, not even, like, a sibling? Not really. I'm not... I don't... Stephanie's the baby. She can't bully anyone. I think you overestimate. Like Kelsey, we could, but you know. But okay, I am the younger sibling, and I have a hundred percent punched my brother at some point. (laughs) 
Well, that's true. You also have a brother, so I'm like, this isn't fair to factor anything, because I'm like, siblings are different. Devin so. has a brother. Hmm. Scratch his head. Well, yeah, but like, he so I, I just head. look at him. It, See, that would have been a perfect yeah. time for punching. <gasps> my brother also sat on my head. Is that yeah. just a brother thing? Do brothers just sit on little sisters' heads? What is happening? No, Yin, Yin did that to me. Yin did that <laughs> to me for some weird reason. So, uh, Kelsey, did I you guess sit it's on a Reb older sibling thing? No comment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember a specific okay, incident, but question. I'm not going to say it for sure didn't happen. All I was going anyway. to say is it takes a lot to hit someone. It takes like it takes a lot to stab someone, physical strength wise, but also like emotionally. But to do that over and over again with a bat, to, enough to require 50 hospitalizations. <sighs> Obviously not the same people doing it, but to do that, it's just disgusting. It is like you had to feel that and you had to do that again. And again. I'm going to say as somebody who has probably hit more people than you, Stephanie, not that I'm a very violent person. I'm actually going to say it does not take that much, not nearly as much as we think, especially in a crowd mob situation. I definitely think that's a case of mob mentality where somebody starts something and then suddenly everybody's been doing it and it's been 10 minutes and a lot of people are on the ground. And especially because there was so much political tension around this issue already going into the situation, I don't think it would have taken much. And we also know because of the Stanford prison experiment that people put in a position of power over others, the power will go to their hands. Oh, yeah. And they will do some things that we as normal people might not envision doing. Okay, I, I did say no comment earlier, but back to our sibling conversation as the old, as the only person in this group who is at the eldest uh, of all the siblings in their family, uh, I will say the power absolutely goes to your head, even if the power is just being bigger and older. And it actually takes like a good amount of like either outside control or self-control, especially when that situation dynamic starts to kind of create a relationship where that dynamic is not abused and that's just in the sibling like my mom never let me fucking touch my sister never not ever and I used to like resent her so much for that because I was like I fucking hate her I hate her so much as a little kid I hated my sister so much uh but my mom never let me touch her and now we have a great sibling relationship and I don't know if that would be true if I sat on my sister's head anyway to move away from the sibling conversation <laughs> The protesters tried to march again on the 9th and once again were turned away until finally on the 21st when they tried again with federal protection, the protesters were able to successfully complete their march. That is the equivalent of getting bullied by a bigger kid and not to bring it back to siblings every single fucking time. Stop bringing siblings. <laughs> never. It's getting But that is the equivalent out, of getting know. bullied by an <laughs> older bigger kid on sister. the playground and then finally bringing your older sibling as backup. <laughs> but I do actually have a question. Did the, the one on the ninth also lead to violence or was that like they didn't want to risk it at that point? Not from what I saw. Okay. So back to Young. His participation in this like historical set of marches led him to join the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the Tuskegee Institute Advancement League. Young participated in a lot of events that encouraged registration of Black voters. In fact, in 1965, he even traveled to Mississippi to help to do just that, 
helping the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. Nice. In September 1965, Young was arrested for attempting to drive a group of people who want to register to vote to Lee County. Because that's very illegal. How dare he just drive a group of people somewhere? Yeah, how dare he try to get more black voters? God. After being released, he continued doing this type of work, and he started um, helping people register in Macomb County. 100% not sorry. So he really was doing the most possible. A hundred percent not sorry after getting arrested. For sure not. Sadly, I wish I could say that he continued his work successfully for years, but that's not what this podcast is about. No. On January 3rd, 1966, Young stopped by a standard oil gas station late at night. After getting gas, he went inside and asked the attendant, 68-year-old Martin Segrest, if he could use the restroom. Seagrass refused to let him use the regular, quote-unquote, white's bathroom and said some horrifically racist things and told him to go use a hole in the back. What the fuck? Boo! When Young refused to do that, Seagrass shot at him, but didn't hit. I'm sorry, I need to take a break from the specific story to get on a soapbox just about racism. Like, I cannot understand. And in fairness, I was raised in a pretty progressive family, so I wasn't raised with racist values. But, like, I cannot understand truly looking another person in the eyes, recognizing that we are the same somewhere. You have to. And just saying to myself... I'm better than you to the point that I will treat you in a way that I wouldn't treat an animal. What the fuck? I don't understand that. And I don't think I ever will. And thank God you don't. You're a terrible person if you believe that. I'm sorry. You are. Again, uh, this was like way back when where they were very against, uh, you know, people of color and everything, you know, (laughs) as a person of color. Um... Yeah, and some people are still like that today. Not as bad, like, thankfully, but still downright awful. And with current events and some recent, I say recent because of the pandemic and stuff, that's kind of bringing people back to that mentality. I go, hmm, why are people like this? Why are, why are like, white supremacists and nationalists like this? Like, what, what do they gain out I mean, of this? I mean, as I established with my what bad math earlier, like... This was not even 60 years ago that this man was like, it's you're not good enough to recent. poo yeah. on the same toilet as white people. Go shit in a hole out back. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So young after, being sh- young, after being shot at, left to go to the police station that was five blocks away. As he should. To kind of like report the incident, see if something could happen. Um, and after realizing that the police were not going to help him in this situation, he went back to the gas station. Oh, Sammy, I understand it, but this this is not going to go your way. Oh, Sammy. Oh, no. Seagrass shot him in the face right under the left eye. What is it this with eyes in this nervous episode? I think he was maybe trying to kill him. This damaged his central nervous system, but didn't kill him instantly. No! Young fell onto the ground and hemorrhaged for a short time before passing. Oh my god. Young was oh. the first student to be murdered for his participation in the civil rights movement. Now we know Here's of. a quote from Young's father 
about this. This is an era of, a, of social revolution. In such revolutions, individuals sacrifice their lives. I don't even have words for that. I would be happy to just end with that. And that's it. Thanks, guys. Episode is over. We have nothing more to say. I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the protests and young people getting involved in this, and then I think about how not nearly to this extent, but we've been having a lot of social unrest in the last few years, and I feel like the the youth mentality of it is like people are very much involved for sure, but there's also this like haha joke of I'm I so wish I was not involved in historical events right now. I have to wonder if there was like a little bit of that joke around like at the time just to like because we're the same, you know, it's the same, and the. He just wanted to go to the bathroom on a toilet and that is the not even the bare minimum and that pisses me the hell off and I know he probably on the way back thought about like is this a good idea you know am I gonna prove anything to this random gas station guy should I just let it go and he decided that for the movement he was a part of it was important that he try to make a difference here and he got killed for it over a toilet and what the fuck guy random gas station guy do you feel good about this random gas station guy on january 4th a warrant was put out for seagrass and he was jailed with a twenty thousand dollar bail what is that with inflation he was charged that is a hundred and eighty three thousand dollars he was charged with second degree murder which is intentional but not premeditated murder i think that's fair enough On December 8th, an all-white jury in Lee County, after deliberating for 71 minutes, came back with a verdict of not guilty. There's a dead man. Straight up. What the fuck? Now, you you may also be wondering, why this is in a different county? Did they move the county because of a a worry for biased jury? They could have, maybe. Yep. The trial had been moved after they determined there cannot be a fair trial because the population in Macomb County had double the number of African Americans. Oh. oh my fucking god. The bat. Okay. I also, with that knowledge, I bet they fucking knew this guy. They knew this guy was like this. And they were like, like, I almost guarantee this was not the only incident, especially with a county that had much more African Americans in it. That I bet this was not the only incident with an African American and this man. And they were like, oh, we'll never get a fair trial out of this county because everybody fucking hates him. Young's death sparked protests in Tuskegee, and people were obviously outraged. In terms of tributes, in January 1966, Leslie Bayless led a protest in front of the White House with a coffin that had Young's picture attacked, attached to it. Just for clarity, the coffin was empty, though. That was just another random co- Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was symbolic. Just wanted to be sure. All this to say, Young's murder was adding gasoline into the fire mm. at this time. Similar to O'Neill Moore, Young's case was reopened by the FBI in 2008 thanks to the Cold Case Initiative. They gathered the Department of Public Safety Investigative Report, the Autopsy Report, media reports, and death certificates for both Segrist and Young. When they went to Macomb County to gather additional records, a representative of the clerk's office informed them that 
that all records prior to 1976 had been destroyed in a fire. Was there a fire like we have record of this fire? I don't know. Hmm. They were able to get some handwritten entries from Lee County. Sadly, since the primary suspect Seagrest is dead and there isn't anyone involved in the crime that was alive anymore, there was no prosecutable subjects and the statute of limitations had passed. And since prior to 1994, civil rights criminal violations were not capital crimes, it had a five-year limit and they couldn't go back and change legal consequences. And also, we've talked about this before with different cases. There's the double jeopardy rule, which means you can't re-charge uh, somebody with a crime unless, and I'm not sure if they had this addition to that rule at the time, of unless there is sufficient new evidence to the, to the crime. So even if Seacrest were alive, I mean, there, what more evidence is there to get? Like, it has to be some su- substantial. It has to be some substantial new evidence for them to recharge. So, even if he were still alive, I don't know if they'd been able to do anything. Today, you can find Young's name carved into the Civil Rights Memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. This monument lists forty names of people slain between 1964 and 1968, and those years are significant because the first one was. Um, school desegregation, and then it was MLK Jr.'s assassination for the other one. To finish this up, I do want to talk about something recent, because I feel like it fits. Um, This is also just super disappointing. Um, It took until 2022 to make lynching a federal hate crime in the United States with the Till Act. I fucking forgot about that, and that is just insane to me. And again, for those who don't know, the full name of this act is the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, and that name, if you're from the U.S., is probably familiar, but Emmett Till was 14 um, in 1955 when he left Chicago to visit some family in Money, Mississippi, and after allegedly flirting with a white woman, the woman's husband and brother made Emmett carry a 75-pound cotton gin fan to the bank of the Tallahatchie River and ordered him to take his clothes off. The men then beat him nearly to death, gouged out his eyes, shot him in the head, and threw his body tied to the gin, the cotton gin fan with barbed wire into the river. His killers weren't punished for what they did. And so this landmark federal law made lynching a hate crime in the U.S. and gave it the penalties of a fine of a fine and or 30 years um, for those who conspire to commit a hate crime, including death, serious injury, kidnapping, sexual assault, so on. But it is horrific that it took this long. I mean, lynching was like illegal because yeah. it's murder slash assault, but it wasn't a hate crime. It wasn't a hate crime. <laughs> And it should be a hate crime because there's a lot of, there's a lot of political and social meaning behind that. Yeah, act. and it doesn't, just <laughs> saying that, like, lynching is a murder doesn't fully encapsulate what it is, you know. It doesn't, especially with all of the other things that they did to Emmett Till and then also Emmett Till's body after his death. Like, you do not do that just to murder somebody. That is clearly an act of hate. And also, why? Like, for what? For what? What What the fuck was the point of that? Like, what did, did, again, did that make you feel good? Do you feel good about that? Like, 
I wouldn't even I wouldn't even do that to an animal. I wouldn't do that to any living creature, let alone a human. Yeah, thing. oh my god. I don't understand it. What always haunts me about that story? I mean, there's so many haunting factors, but I think one was like the the woman who accused yeah, him of she flirting said she lied, didn't she? with her revealed later that she'd lied. Also, for what? Like they are all disgusting. Oh, I did forget cool. to say um the description of what happened to Emmett. I was quoting history.com. So, just to <laughs> give that credit cuz that was not a description that I wrote, but it's it was, it was brutal. It was one hit after another. It, it is a brutal description because it was a brutal crime. I do want to shout out uh, PBS who has this like interactive online experience and it walks through unresolved civil rights cases. It's literally called Unresolved. Um, and there's a bunch of different cases. They talk about um, O'Neill Moore in that. And so if you want to find out some more and look into some cases that, you know, didn't get the proper resolution and we should remember with those people's names, I highly recommend checking it out. I'm still looking at the photos in the chat that you've sent and I'm just, what the fuck did they do to deserve, to deserve that? They were just, they seemed like, I mean, they're photos. There's only so much you can tell from a person in a photo, but they look like, the first one looks so happy to be doing in this job and Sammy looks, he looks like a kid. He looks 16. They really were such stand-up people and would have been able to do such good in their lives. And they did do good for what they could during the small time that they were given before it was cut short by just horrible racist pigs. Yeah. I'm very disappointed, Annalise. I'm goddamn irate. I'm going to have to walk around the rest of my Saturday just fucking mad. And then people are like, why are you mad? And I'm like, racism. I'm mad about racism all the time. And we should be, because stuff like this isn't all in the past, and we should really be no. doing the most to bring these cases to light and to shed light on what's happening. That's the crazy part about this, is that these were 60 years ago, but if you'd told me that they happened in some parts of this country, you know, even five years ago, yeah. I would not have trouble believing it. And that is, look, we've made progress in so many ways, and it's so great, but in some ways, we are exactly the same, and that really needs to change. Because what the fuck? I would never, I wouldn't, like, not that I wouldn't hurt a fly, but I wouldn't treat anything that breathes like this. I would feel bad about treating a plant like this. What? Mm. How do you do that? How do you as a person do that to somebody? And I'm just gonna, because this the quote really did get to me. I'm just gonna leave us with the quote from Young's dad. One more time. This is an era of social social revolution. In such revolutions, individuals sacrifice their lives. And that is a horrible reality. And that's where we're going to leave it for today. Extra crispy. Go ahead and push in your chair. We're sorry. <laughs> Glad you, I hope you liked this giant roast of disappointment Annalise put together. It was a full meal. Several courses. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.